Yeah, I wish we had Mario Cristobal on acid joining us as a guest today. That'd be fantastic content, wouldn't it? Oh, shit. Yeah. What's uh, what's the get up today? You've got a collared shirt on. I'm not used to seeing you all dressed up for the midday show. I don't have many colder weather clothes in my closet anymore, BK. But I was out earlier in shorts, a t-shirt. Now I had a uh, thicker hoodie on and it just wasn't enough. So I had to go into the closet and I'm not going to wear one of my nice sweaters. This is like one of the few other things that I have where it's acceptable to walk around outside for five plus minutes, which is what I'm going to have to do just before the three to five show today when I go pick one of my kids up from school because today is the first day back at Rick Perry Elementary School here in Cedar Park. So yeah, it's a uh, it's called a blanket shirt, I guess. Outer Known is where I bought it from. I bought it last year. I've probably worn it three or four times since purchasing it last November or December. And so here we are at time four or five. It's pretty fitting that uh, you came out of the closet wearing that shirt. Really? Is that gay? I didn't say it was that gay, but compared to what you own and the fact that you use the verbiage of coming out of the closet wearing that, it felt like a low-hanging fruit that I just had to pick. I'll tell you this much. It doesn't feel natural. Like I put it on and it's already no size is exact. So the outer known medium is not as comfy fitting as some other mediums that I purchase. Mm. Um, the the sh- sleeves, if nothing else, are probably a little bit too short for comfort. So I do not feel at my best wearing this shirt. So we'll see how reflected that is and performance on today's midday show and then chatting it up with kevin from three to five today there you go paul bunyan ass shirt i don't know if he's calling you paul bunyan or he's saying this is a paul bunyan ass shirt the shirt is not terrible it'd be much worse than this okay could be worse than that definitely go shirtless i'll do the show shirtless today if that'll make everybody more comfortable no, it would make everyone less comfortable. But thank you for asking, because there are some days I feel like you would just do that. So I appreciate the question. But that's the long way of saying, fuck this weather, okay? Yeah. I can deal with cold and overcast. I can deal with cold and sunny. I can deal with warm and overcast, warm and sunny. Warm and windy is where it starts to get a little bit frustrating Cold, sunny, and windy, it just fucking infuriates me to be outside. Like, I'm just cussing under my breath the entire time I've been outside today. I hate these three conditions together. Yeah, yeah, not good for allergy sufferers either because that cedar is just flying around right now from that wind. And, yeah, this sucks. It is cold. It is windy. It is annoying. Thankfully, we are inside. And I really wish we were both wearing Longhorn shirts today, Trey, because if Texas was playing in that game last night and if Texas won that game last night, uh, well, number one, we'd probably still be in Houston. And number two, we'd be decked out in Longhorn gear from head to toe. And unfortunately, you're dressed like Paul Bunyan's ass and I'm wearing a Dallas Stars hockey shirt because uh, unfortunately, our Longhorns were not a part of that game. And... Unfortunately, it wasn't that great of a game. It was close into the fourth quarter. It was 20-13 to 13 Michigan at the start of the fourth. 
but the Wolverines ran away at the end. And I say that literally because they ran for more than 300 yards, setting an NCAA title game record, 303 rushing yards on 38 carries. The Wolverines averaged eight yards a clip. They had two running backs go for more than 100, and they ended up dominating Washington. And they won, and they covered and for the first time since 1997. The Wolverines are national champions in college football. Trey, your biggest takeaway, takeaways from what we saw last night. Where the fuck was that Washington team last Monday? Where was that? Michael Penix was human. His receivers were letting him down at times. Dylan Johnson probably shouldn't have been out there. He was way too banged up to be carrying the ball with any sort of consistency. But Washington found themselves in the position that Texas was in last Monday without Michigan shooting themselves in the foot at times to allow Washington back in the game. And you and I talked about this yesterday, dude. The only thing that was going to piss me off at last night's game is if we saw Washington just stink the joint up. And even though it was close going into the fourth quarter, that's pretty much what fucking happened. Yeah. Uh, the most frustrating part of last night was watching Michael Penix look bad, right? I mean, he played the game of his life last week and he played one of the worst games of his life last night. You credit Michigan. That defense is awesome. We knew Michigan's secondary was better than Texas's, so it would be a little tougher for Michael Penix to come close to creating what he created last week in New Orleans. But, yeah, he was missing guys who were open. His receivers were letting him down. There were miscommunications. And it was just a night and day difference for the Washington passing attack versus what we unfortunately had to witness in person in the Big Easy. Yeah, and some people are saying that Michigan's secondary was more physical than Texas. I completely agree with that. But they also did a better job of getting pressure on Penix early in the game. And that's just yeah. back to the point that we talked about last week with Kwiatkowski not doing enough to ensure that he was getting pressure on Penix early in that game. They did at times, but it wasn't consistent enough. And you allowed him to stand back there far too often and just pick that Texas secondary apart, which at times wasn't all that difficult with cornerbacks or safeties five yards away from the receiver that Penix was throwing to. But give Michigan credit. They had a game plan that clearly caught Washington off guard. And much like with Texas and New Orleans last Monday, the start of that game felt a little bit too big for Washington. It was actually interesting to see. Like Washington looked like a tight football team like Texas did a week ago. And unfortunately for them, they fell behind early with uh, with that big touchdown run, seven to nothing. And uh, we're, we're never, even though I think they tied the game once or twice, it never really felt like they were in any sort of control of that game. Yeah, I mean, Michigan executed its game plan to perfection. I know things got a little closer than they wanted in the third quarter, and their offense sputtered at times early in the second half, but they wanted to get out to a big lead with their ground game, and they wanted to keep running the football all night long. And they did that. They won the time of possession battle, they had a bunch of success running with both Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards, and they were able to play with the lead, which is something Texas obviously would have liked to do. But as you mentioned, uh, they did not lead a single time in the game last week. So, yeah, it was, I feel like Jim Leahy from Trailer Park Boys. I don't think you've watched that show yet, but he, he uses the word shit a lot. And he just makes words. He calls people shit birds, and he talks about shit storms and all of that. It was the perfect shit storm for Texas defensively last week where they couldn't get pressure. And my God, I, I wish Trey Moore could have played in that game last week for the Longhorns because they got nothing off the edge. And Washington was able to focus on blocking Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy up the middle. 
And then when Texas did blitz, like PK tried. It's not like he rushed three or four all game long and didn't try to bring extra blitzers. It's like when he did, the corners couldn't cover for more than one second, and Penix was just finding dudes wide open early. Michigan's defense is just better. You're right. They actually had a sack. They only had one sack on Penix, which is one more than Texas had, but they hit him a number of different times to the point where in the fourth quarter, he was grabbing at every body part in a ton of pain and just that wore on him. He was rattled mentally and it wasn't the same. His timing was off. Trey, I brought up the stat yesterday. Washington averaged like 10.6 yards of play in the first half mm. in the uh, on first down last week against Texas. Washington averaged 2.5 yards of play on first down last night. Like, Michigan was able to get them out of rhythm early, force them into a bunch of third and long type of situations, and they were able to win on those downs. So, yeah, their defense showed up. I mean, uh, Texas fans were talking about the play calling, and oh, I wish Sark ran the ball more, and look, we all do. We feel like the game might have been differently if Texas uh, decided to run it earlier than they did. But the, the reason Michigan won is because their defense showed up. Their defense was really good, and Texas's defense played maybe its worst game of the season last week and they got exposed yeah look jsdtx is saying with brooks we win against washington but we would lose to michigan eight out of ten times i don't know if that's a certainty i think that's an overestimate in terms of how many times michigan wins because that what michigan does well and did well last night has done well all season long plays into the strength of the texas defense and that's stopping Michigan's uh, or the uh, the opposition's rushing attack. It would have been a great matchup to watch play out. Unfortunately, we don't get that. And it may have been as simple as Texas choosing to deploy Anthony Hill off the edge a little bit more than they did a week ago. But it's just one of those things where we're just going to have to ask that question to ourselves over and over again as uh, as we get on in years. And instead, Michigan has their first national championship in forever. Congratulations to the cheater, Jim Harbaugh, I wish you luck. Actually, I don't wish you luck. Uh, but uh, have at it at the NFL level, Jim, because you're probably not going to be in Ann Arbor much longer. Yeah, I feel like he's about to bolt for the NFL. Michigan's going to try to keep him, of course. But uh, there are a few different NFL teams that I think are uh, going to be making their calls to Jim Harbaugh's people. And you're right. Like, look, I, I said it the day after Selection Sunday. I was like, God, if we get to the title game, I'd feel good about Michigan or Alabama. We already beat Bama by 10 at their place, so you should have felt good about that one. And then, you're right, Michigan strength, running the football. I don't know what happens if they play last night, right? I can't sit here and be like, oh, Texas for sure would have won, because then it's like, really? Like, Washington beat you, and Michigan just beat them by, like, three touchdowns? You're really going to sit here and try to say that Texas would have assuredly won that football game? No, I'm not going to say that, but I do know Michigan wasn't running for 300 yards against Texas's defense. Like, J.J. McCarthy would have had to throw it more than 18 times if the Longhorns were playing last night. Michigan had the advantage of watching Texas run all over Washington. They're like, oh, yeah, I know Washington had the 125th-ranked pass defense in the nation during the regular season, but we just saw, like, whenever Texas tried to run the football and when they didn't fumble, uh, they had some success. And, oh, yeah, we do like to run the football, so we're just going to try to do this, and we're going to do this for all four quarters. Like, they had that advantage, but it's a game of matchups, man. Like, Washington was a bad matchup for Texas. Michigan was a bad matchup for Washington. And I think we saw all of that on full display the last two Mondays. Yeah, and it's certainly not a guarantee that Texas would have beat Michigan because Washington was the more physical team against the Longhorns and Michigan out physical Washington. So I know that these things aren't always transient, but 
I, I think it would have been a hard-fought battle. I, I would have loved to have seen it, but again, it's uh, what could have been but never was. By the way, Washington never tied the game up after the beginning. They got within seven just before halftime because Michigan, I completely disagreed with the decision at the time. I don't give a, give a fuck what the advanced stats say. Michigan should have punted it right there. Washington was getting nothing going offensively, and they should have just pinned them back, and they would have gone into the locker room with a 14-point lead rather than just a 7-point lead, but it ended up not mattering regardless. Oh, fourth and two from the Washington 38. You would have punted it there? Or try to field goal or something. Try to field goal or something. Was it the 38? It felt like it was more like around the 45. Was it the 38? 38-yard line. Well, uh, point is uh, perhaps not as valid now, but uh, it felt like they should have done something other than what they did, and they potentially let Washington back in the game because they gave Washington a shorter field there. But ultimately, it ended up not mattering because Michigan was still able to assert their will throughout the rest of the contest. Here's where Michigan screwed up. I'll agree with you on this. They threw it on that fourth and two. Right. Run it. Uh, run it. You, you averaged eight yards a carry last night. Like, they're not stopping you from two yards out. Run the ball. Um, that's the strength of your team. It has been all year, and Washington can't stop it. So, do that. But, yeah, Michigan, the better side last night. People are talking about the refs. I have zero sympathy for Washington fans complaining about officiating, by the way. What, now, I, what's the complaint there? There's plenty of still shots of – and, look, Michigan got away with a couple of PIs, and they got away with a couple of holds. And Washington probably got away with a couple of those as well. Uh, but, yeah, Washington fans are posting still shots on Twitter last night. Like, how do you not call this? And I'm just like, hmm, you got every call last week. And I said it last Tuesday, the game was not decided by the refs. The better team won last week. I'm here to tell Washington fans, last night's game, not decided by the refs. The better team won, the worst team lost. Hell of a year for you, Dub. Uh, but Michigan, they uh, they got it done. And now the question looms, Trey, will they have to vacate this title at some point in the not-too-distant future? Maybe, but they still get to hold on to this championship for the rest of their lives. The players, the fans who uh, celebrated, the coaches, of course, too. I have seen this floating around social media today, BK, that if for whatever reason Washington has to, or excuse me, Michigan has to vacate this championship, the NCAA bylaws state that the number two team would win the championship, but the number two team lost to the number one team, then the number three team becomes the national champions, which would be Texas. Longhorn fans, don't go anywhere near that. That's a trap. It's a landmine. That's going full Aggie if you try and claim a national championship in this season. Just let the championship be vacated. It certainly doesn't need to go up on any walls anywhere or any fucking T-shirts. Just let that be. Don't go full Aggie with that one, please. I will personally fight any Texas fan who tries to claim any sort of national championship for this season. Yeah. And by that point, I'll be pretty yoked from all the working out that I'm doing. So you won't want to mess with me. Yeah. 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 One day in a row at this point at the gym. That uh, matches a career high for me, I think. Uh, Let's hear from Jim Harbaugh after the game. I thought this was funny because he was basically asked about the -the off-the-field issues that uh, faced Michigan and obviously was the biggest story in college football for a large portion of the season. Here's Harbaugh in the postgame press. It it, it couldn't have gone better. It went exactly how we wanted it to go uh, to win every game. Uh, The the off-the-field issues... 
we're innocent. And, and we, stood, we stood strong and tall because we knew we were innocent. And I just like to point that out. And these guys, these guys are innocent. And yeah, overcome that. Um, it wasn't that hard because we, we knew we were innocent. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's really what I want to say. It went exactly how we wanted it to go. It went exactly how we wanted it to go. I mean, how can you sit there and tell us you're innocent, coach, when you were suspended two different times this season? You missed six games this year because you were caught cheating and you're going to sit there and seriously try to tell all of us that you didn't do anything wrong. You just, you voluntarily sat out the first three in the last three games of the regular season. Like that's hilarious. That ridiculous, ridiculous from Jim Harbaugh there. And we'll see if the NCAA does something. Maybe it's an Astros type of deal, Trey, where the Astros got to keep the 2017 title, but like there were other punishments. Maybe that happens to Michigan where they have scholarship reduction or a bowl ban for a year or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be vacated, but hilarious for Jim Harbaugh to act like, nah, nothing went wrong here, even though my own school suspended me for three games and my own conference did too. Yeah, blah, 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 Harbaugh. Go back to treating your kids like complete shit to where your wife has to call you out on, wasn't quite national television, but an Am- Amazon Prime show. Yeah. Jackass. Go drink some more Coach, milk. Though. Great, great coach, though. Oh, man. If uh, Mike McCarthy can't get the job done in these playoffs, I wouldn't hate Jerry Jones making the call to Jim Harbaugh. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? He, he can have a sleepover at my place if he wants. That's fine. Can he now? Yeah, guest bedroom. He ain't sleeping on the floor in my room like he did with that kicker that one time. It's too what weird. about in your closet? I can sleep in the guest closet if he wants. What about in your closet? No, bedroom door's got to be locked for that one. He won't be getting in there. Yeah, I'll just leave no him deal, then. <laughs> Shoot. Well, we'll see how the Cowboys play this weekend. Then I might change my mind if they blow it against Green Bay. Okay, well, before we get to um, the 2025 Vegas odds, for the college football national championship, because of course those are already out. That's how life works nowadays in 2024. Uh, let's give some love to some of our great sponsors. I'll start by giving a shout out to Covert Bee Cave. If you were in the market for a new or pre-owned car, truck, or SUV, you've heard us talk about Covert Bee Cave for a long time. Like you need to go see them. They are the best in the business. The Covert Auto Group has been around since 1909. You don't survive that long as a business unless you know what you're doing and unless you're taking care of people. And Coverts, they know what they're doing, and they take care of people. They're like family to us. They will be like family to you. Go out and see them. They've got seven different brands out in Bee Cave, 42 acres of cars, trucks, and SUVs, something for everybody. If you're trying to upgrade, if you're looking for a pre-owned car for the kid who's about to turn 16, whatever, anything in between, they've got you. Check out their website, covertbeecave.com. More importantly, head down 71 and go see them at Covert be cave and try i'll let you go with an av consultations live today if you're comfortable doing so why the hell not i'm gonna be seeing tom and camilla 
tomorrow. They're going to be here recording for the radio show. That's neither here nor there, though. I love Tom. He is such a hilarious dude. He is uniquely Tom McKay, which I think is a big reason why uh, he has been so successful with audiovisual consultations over the years. People respect that. And beyond this, the general respect that Tom gets, you'll respect the shit out of the quality of work that audiovisual consultations provides in your home or place of business. I know because they've come over to my place multiple times now, first to hook us up with a dream home theater set up downstairs, put a janky entertainment center downstairs. We had a TV screwed into Tom came over, shook his head is like, what the hell were y'all trying? Uh, put it up on a wall that uh, we didn't even know was possible, hit all the wires, utilize the speakers that we had purchased as part of a larger surround sound system. And so when we decided we wanted to put a TV upstairs and what has become our video game nook, audiovisual consultations made that happen as well. Find out for yourself. Go to avconsultations.com. See all the different types of work they can do for you. And then give them a call. 512-255-8678. That's 255-8678 for audiovisual consultations. Yes, indeed. CB said, you said 2025 Vegas odds. Yes, that's what I wanted to say because the national championship will be played in 2025. So it's the 2025 national championship odds for college football. I think I said that correctly. Uh, I will share screen so you can see odds from FanDuel for next year. There are all sorts of sports books in Vegas releasing their odds for next year's college football winner. But here's what FanDuel has. Georgia, the favorite, plus 350. No surprise there. They've won the last two titles. You could have made the case that they were a top three or four team in college football this year. Even though they didn't make the playoff, they got their quarterback back. They've got a lot coming back, and they're always really good. That feels fair. Uh, Alabama, number two. Ohio State, three. And there you go. Your Texas Longhorns, plus 850. According to FanDuel, Trey, the fourth best odds to win it all next season. How does that look? Yeah, I'm just looking at the other teams around them. I think that's fair right now. I would maybe have Texas ahead of Ohio State, but I'm also not totally sure what Ohio State is bringing back next year. Obviously, they're going to be replacing McCord at quarterback. He decided to move on, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is about to be a top two or three pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Interesting to have them ahead of Michigan, but we talked about it yesterday. Michigan is going to have to replace a lot of guys on both sides of the ball next year, likely J.J. McCarthy in that group. Of course, Quorum at running back, a number of those offensive linemen too. I don't know. I think Texas, I can't say that. It's Nick Saban still coaching in Tuscaloosa. But for Texas to be just behind Alabama and Ohio State, at least going into the offseason means that Steve Sarkeesian has this program in a great place. That's where the expectations are right now for the Longhorns. And look, the good news for Texas is if Quinn Ewers comes back, the Longhorns might have the best quarterback in college football. Uh, and when's the last time we've been able to say that, right? I heard Jeff and Jordan talking about this in the last hour. You got to go all the way back to Colt McCoy. Hell, you got to go all the way back to that era for a lot of things that Texas has done recently. But uh, to even have a QB in that conversation for best in the country, it's been a long time. And if Quinn returns, he will be in that mix with, uh, you know, Jalen Milrose probably there too. Um, Carson Beck, I guess at Georgia is there. But a lot of the best quarterbacks, I mean, Bo Nix is gone. Uh, I think J.J. McCarthy's going. I think Quinn Ewers is better than that guy anyways. 
But uh, yeah, a lot of the other good quarterbacks in college football, obviously Caleb Williams is leaving, Drake May is leaving. Those guys are headed to the NFL. So there's a chance that Texas has the best QB in the country. Even though the Longhorns will have a ton to replace on both sides of the football, you're able to get a three-year starter back at QB. That's going to give you a legit shot to compete for championships. And Vegas is telling you that, and I think most Texas fans will tell you that too. And once we know for sure about Quinn Ewers, then we can really start to envision what, 2024 could look like for this program because if it's Arch Manning considering that everybody else who's going to be gone on both sides of the ball there is going to be at least a small step backwards you would have to assume because Arch is going to have to go through growing pains as a starting quarterback and a guy who has only taken a handful of legitimate snaps at the college level I'm with you. I wonder how much the odds would change if Quinn Ewers leaves. Like, I don't think Texas would have the fourth highest odds, but I wonder how far they'd fall just because of the name Texas and the name Arch Manning. Like, I feel like Texas would still be maybe around where LSU is at 15 to one. Mm. I don't think they'd fall. I know you think they should fall further than that, but like, I just, I don't think they would if Quinn Ewers comes out and surprises us and says he's leaving. Considering... <laughs> Look, these odds are, are made in part based on the money coming in. Texas odds may get worse, or they may like get worse in terms of the amount that you have to put down to win a certain amount. They may end up between Alabama and Ohio State based on that. The nuts. You're right, honestly. The country is going to be losing their shit. He's going to be like a sports version of fucking Donald Trump for sports outlets for the next two years. Oh, my God. Way, not not in, in terms of piling on. It's just... His name is easy on the eyes and headlines and leads to a lot of clicks. So you're telling me if Quinn Ewers announces he's returning for another season, then I got to storm somewhere. I got to break into the Capitol, maybe the UT oh. Tower. Um, there may be some wackadoo Texas fans who try and do something <laughs> like that based on them wanting Quinn to move on so the Arch Manning era can get going. My goodness. All right. So here you go. Um, we talked about the ESPN bet odds this morning on Bucky and BK. Texas A&M had the 10th best odds to win it all at like 22 to one. I don't even see them on this list. And it's funny because I see Kansas and Texas Tech on there. I don't know if this is oversight. Like, there's no way A&M is further than 200 to one to win it all next season, right? Like, I, there's no chance they do, but they'd have better odds than Kansas and Texas Tech, right? I mean, below Kansas State, also Miami. Nobody thinks Miami's going to be any good next year. No. Yeah, that's that's strange. I, I am a little bit surprised to see them below the likes of Kentucky and NC State. I think that's oversight, either by the sports book itself or by the New York post article that I'm reading that posted uh, these odds right here, but there you go. Georgia, the favorites followed by Alabama, Ohio state and Texas, Michigan rounding out the top five. And it's cool. Like Trey, at the end of every season, I always sit back and think like, okay, how close is my favorite team to winning the championship? And my God, I, I watched a lot of title games in college football over the last decade and a half and been like, yeah, we're, we're not close to that. We are not close to that at all. But uh, watching last night's game, I mean, shoot, you make it to the Final Four, you win the Big 12, you end the year as the third-ranked team in the AP poll. It's easy to uh, feel good about where things are headed. But Texas is right there, man. They are right there. It won't be easy. It's never easy. 
You're going to the toughest conference in the sport. And yes, it's a 12-team playoff, so it will be easier to make the playoff, but it will be tougher to get to the final four in said playoff because obviously you got to win a couple of games to get there now. So I'm not sitting here like guaranteeing anything, but it's just nice to like look back. And I know we're still upset about last Monday and we're thinking, what if we got the play yesterday? But it's nice to be like, no, we're we're right there. And there's actual reason to be optimistic for August and September, not just, oh, it's football's back and we're excited. No, it's like, no, shit, we feel like we could do something special here in a few months. Yeah, it's, it feels like we're in a better place right now than we were even at the end of last season, even though there was some uh, some optimism, some momentum to build on despite a bowl game loss to Washington. Quinn Ewer seemingly getting his act together as well as a lot of uh, really good returning talent led to you believing that Texas should be the favorite to win the Big 12, which they did, and that there might be an outside shot that they could win a national championship this year. And they got really close to that. They got as close as they've been since early 2010. So 14 years is yep. the gap between uh, where they got in that unfortunate loss to Alabama, another one of those what could have been games versus uh, the mountaintop that they were able to climb this year. It's a much better place to be than struggling to know whether you need to keep the coach for another couple of years because you just lost a Texas bowl game that drops you to six and seven on the season, which has happened, unfortunately, a couple of times in that 14 year span. Yeah. Yeah, it has. So feeling good about where this thing is headed. Uh, mentioned it a moment ago, though, a lot of players leaving for the NFL. One more made an announcement yesterday. It'd be linebacker Jalen Ford, who took to social media to release a video saying that he is bolting for the National Football League. Uh, Jalen Ford, a couple of great years here at Texas. I thought he was robbed of the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year Award in 2022. Took a tiny bit of a step back, right? The number's not as good this year. The eye test not quite as good this year as they were last year, but still a really key cog on this Texas defense. A huge part of this team making it to the playoff and winning the Big 12. And Trey, a guy that I will always have a lot of love and respect for because he toughed it out, right? He was a Herman recruit. Uh, Three-star, by the way, the 137th ranked player in the state of Texas. Not in the country, in the state of Texas in the class of 2020. Went through the end of Herman, went through five and seven, and uh, was a massive part of this team's turnaround. So tip of the cap to Jalen Ford on a great Texas career, but obviously another important player the Longhorns are going to have to replace. Hell of a story, and I'm not totally sure what we're going to get at linebacker next year. There have been some rumors that David Benda may end up leaving following Jeff Choate to Nevada. Based on the fact that the transfer portal is now closed, that wouldn't happen until after spring ball. Reese Blackwell is back for another year. I think he provides a unique skill set for that linebacker position. Then, of course, Anthony Hill, too. The coaches didn't keep him at a more traditional linebacker spot just to move him away, away next season. When I talked to Eric Nalin between three and five yesterday, he said, don't be surprised to see Anthony Hill move into Jalen Ford's spot. And, boy, there's a ton of potential there. Yeah. Uh, if he can get that pass coverage down, which is one of the areas that Jalen Ford, especially going back to last season, was really good in. He had a number of interceptions and, of course, forced a lot of timely turnovers, too. So that, uh, that, that linebacker spot, I'll be curious to see how that shapes up in the coming months once we get through spring ball. And then uh, once some, uh, some other guys get on campus, whether it's true freshmen or – uh, portal entries from the spring semester. It's uh, just one of those spots that we're going to be keeping an eye on. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you've got yeah. Anthony Hill. All right. so, sorry to change the subject here. Did you see that the Titans just fired Mike Vrabel? Uh, yeah, that was right before we got on the air. Wow. Um, yeah, dumb. Yeah, dumb, what the dumb, hell? dumb. He is a good coach. I know this year wasn't good. He is a good coach. He's a great coach, and he's going to have his pick of the litter for jobs next year, assuming he doesn't want to take a year off. That's insane. I mean, the Titans could have traded that guy, too, and got yeah. draft compensation for him if they were so ready to move on from him. Uh, the Titans are a dumpster fire, man. That's a disaster. But well, yes. The Adams family. I hope that franchise remains a dumpster fire as long as they hold on to the rights of the uh, the Oilers logo. Agreed. They're being cursed for doing that. And they deserve to be cursed for doing that. Um, linebacker room, though, for Texas could be pretty intriguing, right? I mean, Hill, Benda, and Blackwell, that's a solid one, two, three. If those are the guys that you have, you've got some talent, you've got some experience there. And, yeah, part of me is like, oh, I want Anthony Hill to be an edge rusher for this team. He was second on Texas in sacks this year, after all. And that was as a true freshman. And it's like, well, just let him build and develop there. Then you really could have something special. But Texas has more depth at edge next year than they do at traditional linebacker. So it might be like, not to say Anthony Hill can't play traditional linebacker. I think he can, and I think he will at a high level if that's what they ask him to do. But it's almost like, a, hey, they might need you there at linebacker because they've got Trey Moore coming in. They've got Colin Simmons. Baron Terrell said he's coming back. Ethan Burke's coming back. Colton Vosick's back. It's like, they've got five edge rushers that you feel pretty good about, and you don't have that many linebackers that you feel good about. So maybe it's just out of necessity where this team – uh, works Anthony Hill more at linebacker this year and just hope it all clicks for him. We shall see. It's one of the big questions that has to be answered this offseason. The biggest question on the offensive side of the ball, who steps up a wide receiver? We have ideas now. Matthew Golden is obviously a prime candidate. You feel like Jontae Cook is going to take another big step forward, but Sark likes rotating three, if not four guys at times. Now, those times were uh, were very rare this year. It was pretty much the Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, and Jordan Whittington show, and nobody else really got to see the field. Jonte Cook got on the field a little bit more in the second half of the season. But if it is Jonte Cook and Matthew Golden, who's that third guy? Well, they're going after some transfers. Yeah. C.J. Daniels from Liberty was here over the weekend. 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns for the Flames. This past season, he's 6'2", 200 pounds. That's a plug-and-play guy. Auburn very much in the mix there, though. And Hugh Freeze, of course, the head coach at Auburn, was the guy who recruited C.J. Daniels to Liberty. So might be tough for Texas to uh, overtake the Tigers there, but there's a name to look out for. And then Silas Bolden from Oregon State announced that he's taking an official visit here in the next couple of days. Washington, USC, Arizona also in the mix for his services. So Texas is looking for more. They've got a lot of young guys who I think we're excited about, but not a lot of proven production. And I think Sark is looking for more proven production. So he's got one portal guy. I think in his perfect world, he ends up with two portal guys. In my perfect world, that's exactly what happens. I'd, I'd feel a hell of a lot better about this wide receiver room if you brought in a guy with a 1,000-yard season under his belt like C.J. Daniels or Silas Bolden playing in a good conference in the Pac-12 this year, 54 catches, 746 yards, and five touchdowns. That's way more production than anybody outside of Matthew Golden has in this Texas locker room. So uh, sign me up for either of those two. And our guy Wes asked if it makes sense to, uh, for Texas to add one more D-tackle. I think uh, they're going after Jamari Caldwell from Houston, who entered the portal right after the season. 
Houston originally said they were not retaining their D-line coach. And then they changed their mind and said, we are retaining their D-line coach. So everyone's like, okay, maybe that means Jamari Caldwell will go back to Houston. Well, uh, Jordan Scruggs reported it on Texas Sports Unfiltered yesterday that Caldwell is not going back to Houston. And it sounds like Texas is in the driver's seat there. Trey, that's a D-tackle who had six and a half sacks last year. That would have led Texas. Shit. That would have led, not for D-tackles, that would have led Texas's team. He had two sacks against the Longhorns in that uh, near loss down in H-Town. But yeah, Jamari Caldwell, once again, like Collins, like Broughton, uh, there's some guys coming in in that D-tackle room that are going to be solid players. But if you could bring in a dude with uh, some production at this level under his belt, that would help. And I'd feel a lot better about that D-line room if uh, Caldwell ends up signing with UT. At all over level production right there out of Caldwell with Houston this last year. Yeah, sign me up for that action. Can I sign up for Ed Oliver? Can we get him from the Bills? I would love that too. He did leave college early, so I think he has an extra year of eligibility. A little Scott Bakula necessary roughness action. Yeah, and he um, you know, went through COVID as a pro, but he was still a part of COVID, so he should get an extra year. I feel like anyone should be able to use that excuse, right? Like, That's the rule. Yeah, if you want an extra year of anything, you should be able to play the COVID card. Like, I lost a year of my life because we all basically did, so give me an extra year of this for free, please. You're, you're preaching to the choir here. Let's bring Ed <laughs> Oliver to Austin. We can maybe pay him as well as the no, – we probably can't pay him as well as the Bills. Uh, yeah, he got a pretty good second contract, I think, uh, in Buffalo, so he's okay. All right, there's that. Uh, some more shout-outs to some more sponsors. By the way, keep the text coming. Go to text line 512-222-9328. Somebody says about Jim Harbaugh to Dallas. He said the Cowboys don't want that wanker. Uh, interesting. This one guy not a fan of that. Uh, but we'll take your thoughts on the text line or on the YouTube comment line as well. Give some love to some more sponsors. Shout-out to Altstadt Brewery uh, and Altstadt Beer, the best beer that you can find all throughout the great state of Texas. Watching the Texas basketball game tonight. Need a great beer to accompany your basketball watching? Make it Old Stab Beer. Easy to find. H-E-B, Specs, Total Wine, Twin Liquors. Wherever you go to buy your six-packs, you can find six-packs of Old Stat. And I think everyone's trying to be a little cleaner in the new year. If that's one of your New Year's resolutions, well, Old Stat is a much cleaner beer because there are no preservatives or additives in any of their beers. It's just four simple ingredients, so you can feel good about what you're putting in your system. You're going to feel better the next day after drinking Old Stat. You're also going to enjoy drinking Old Stat. Sometimes you hear, that's ah, a little better for me. That means it must taste like shit. No, that's not the case with Old Stat. One sip and you won't go back to the other beers you have been drinking in the past. I know because that's me. Uh, Old Stat beer, the official beer of BK, should be the official beer of you as well. It's Old Stat beer. No impurities, no regrets. Shout out to them. And uh, shout out to all of our great sponsors here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Um, there's one more thing we were supposed to talk about today, Trey. I guess we can get into the NFL here in a second. By the but, way, good call for CB. I'm sure they're reading this elsewhere too. DJ, CB, Brable to the Patriots. That would make a lot of sense. But are the Patriots moving on from Belichick? Because I seem to see a lot of noise that that's not happening now. Yeah, Belichick in his press conference after the last game of the year on Sunday basically said he'd be willing to relinquish his GM powers to stick around in New England. 
So he still wants to coach everyone who's like, ah, yeah, he's ready to hang him up. No, he still wants to coach and he still wants to coach there. I think Bob Kraft is ready to move on. I think the question is, is it an outright firing? Is it a mutual parting of the ways or is it a trade? Like I think Belichick has coached his last game in Foxborough, but what, what happens next? He wants to coach somewhere. If it's not in new England, I think he'll get a job. Uh, people disagree. I think you think he's done and he's washed. Um, I, I still think he's worth taking a shot on if I'm a team trying to figure some things out. I think somebody will take a chance on Bill Belichick if he hits the open market. But, uh, yeah, as of right now, the new England job is not open. I don't know. Maybe a new location will help to invigorate Bill Belichick, but it is starting to feel like he was losing a grip on what made him so good to begin with. Mm -hmm. But I'll certainly be paying attention if he ends up in, LA with the Chargers or someplace like that. Let me ask you this. Who is the um, top coaching candidate that's out there? Is it Jim Harbaugh? Is it now Mike Vrabel? Uh, is it Bill Belichick because of his history? Is it a guy like Dan Quinn who's done a tremendous job in Dallas and obviously helped coach a Falcons team to a Super Bowl appearance yeah. one time? A guy like Ben Johnson, the OC of the Lions, who has you know, found Jared Goff again, and they've obviously put together two really, really good seasons back-to-back. -back. Like, if you're uh, an NFL GM and you've got your pick of the litter of any of these coaches, who's the uh, the first guy you're calling? I know that Carolina's trying to talk to Ben Johnson, who has already put out a pretty hefty price tag to leave as the OC of Detroit. Certainly don't fault him for that. He's got a lot of leverage right now. I don't know. It's probably Jim Harbaugh and Mike Vrabel. I don't think that it's Bill Belichick. I completely understand why a team would take a chance on Bill Belichick, but it's got it's probably Harbaugh one and then Vrabel two. If I were to rank them, yeah, I think that's about where I am too. I'd maybe flip flop one and two and put Vrabel one, but um, I mean Harbaugh has proven that he can win in the NFL, right? It's not like you're just taking a chance on a college guy who's had success there and you're hoping it can work in the league. No, that guy coached a team to a Super Bowl in San Francisco. So um, he's good. And I don't want a coach who's won a Super Bowl before. I think I've told you this stat. I've told everyone this stat a thousand times. It's why I was not in favor of the Cowboys hiring Mike McCarthy, even though I don't think he's that bad of a coach. There's never been a coach win a Super Bowl with two different teams. Now, at some point, it's going to happen, right? Like at some point, there will be a head coach who is able to win the big game with two separate teams. But it has not happened to this point. And we've had close to 60 Super Bowls right now. So uh, I, I'm i not tempting history with that. So I actually like a guy like Jim Harbaugh, who's never won a Super Bowl, been there, never won one. I like a guy like Dan Quinn, never won a Super Bowl, been there, never won. I like those type of dudes. Same thing with Mike Vrabel, uh, more than I like even a guy like Bill Belichick, who has won more Super Bowls than any coach in the history of the sport. So I would go with uh, one of those two guys as well. And and Ben Johnson's intriguing. He turned down jobs last year. He took a couple of interviews, and then it wasn't like, a, oh, no one's going to hire me, so I'm done. It was like, a, no, I'm actually staying here, even if you want to hire me. Sorry. So maybe he does that again. But, um, yeah, interesting jobs. I think you've got six openings now in the NFL. Chargers, Vegas, New England. No, New England's not open yet. Chargers, Vegas, Tennessee, Atlanta, Carolina, and... Washington. Did Vegas officially move on from Pierce? No, they have not, but they did fire their coach, so technically that counts as an opening, but gotcha. they, they, they could remove the interim tag and make uh, Antonio Pierce 
their guy. So Chargers, the most intriguing job out of those for you just because of Herbert? Yeah, I think so. They, they've got good pieces other than Herbert there too. I don't know how much longer Eckler will be a running back with LA. I mean, it feels like he's nearing the end of that running back lifespan, but they've got good weapons on the outside. We'll be curious to see how Mike Williams looks back coming, uh, coming back or looks coming back from that season ending injury. Keenan Allen is just the energizer bunny just keeps on ticking. Quentin Johnson was a little bit of a bust his first year, but those are three intriguing wide receivers right there. And they've, Got some quality pieces on defense too. Bosa, Derwin James. Uh, getting there's a linebacker that I'm not recalling off the top of my head right now. But yeah, the the Chargers job is an interesting one. The problem with the Chargers job though is you're going to get no home field support. Mm. Whatever you're doing, I mean, nobody in LA cares about that team. Now LA is a bunch of bandwagoners, so if you uh, if you win regularly, people will show up to those games. But that's just a weird situation. They're gonna at some point they're gonna have to move that team out of LA if they want to be seen as a uh, a legitimate candidate for uh, not. I mean, super playoffs is one thing, but a Super Bowl run, you have to be able to capitalize on home field advantage at some point, don't you? Where where would they go? I don't know. They just moved there. It's and like would people I, jump on maybe? Yeah, San Diego could use a team. Uh, would people jump on the bandwagon if they were really good, or is it? It's just nobody cares at all ever. It, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but people did with the Rams when they made their Super Bowl run. Yeah, the Rams have had more fans though because they were in LA, you know, back right. in the day. So they already had some built-in fans. It's a mess. It is a mess. We'll see what happens. The NFL coaching carousel continues to turn. Mike Vrabel, the latest to lose his job in a stunner in Nashville. All right, Trey, it is time for where are we at in society today. How do you want to handle today's Pest Wranglers read? I am happy to do the read on my own. I'm actually checking to see the largest cities in the country without an NFL team, San Antonio, that's never going to happen. And then San Diego is number two. You just got to move back to San Diego, Chargers. Come just on. like that. Not to the San Diego Chargers anyhow. LA Chargers sounds stupid. Just move yep. back to San Diego already. You know who I think would agree with that take? Our guy, Steve, a.k.a. Cooter. He is the man behind Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. They've been in business since 2006. In that time, they have done a phenomenal job of taking care of those pest problems across Central Texas. They have a motto, effective, reliable, affordable. There's also an unwritten motto that they abide by, and that is making sure to treat you, the customer, right. Steve values people. He values relationships. He makes sure his employees do as well. That's why they have so many five-star ratings and reviews on Google, Yelp, and elsewhere. You can go to pestwranglers.com to find out more info and to sign up for that free estimate. PestWranglers.com and PestWranglers is a proud sponsor of... Where are we at in society today? That's right, it is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism. As us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. But sadly, today is not that day. And BK, we not only go to Long Island... For today's Where We Add story, we go to a Taco Bell in Long Island. Yes, sir. Headline, 
Irate Taco Bell customer caught on video slapping employee after microwave mishap. <laughs> wow. Wait, the customer slapped the employee? Yes. After a microwave. What are you saying? They use microwaves at Taco Bell? That's not true. It's all grilled to order right in front of you. That was the question I had. And it turns out that that's not the case. No, it's like their slogan. Stormed into a Taco Bell on Long Island with a giant chip on his shoulder after he apparently blew up his microwave by heating up his order with an aluminum-lined container. A TikTok video shows the hot-headed customer taking out his frustration on a hapless employee behind the counter as he threatens to sue the eatery for the destroyed appliance. When the worker asks him if he'd like a new order, the older man waves at him in anger and yells that he wants more food. You're done. You're fucking done, the customer bellows. Plus, you guys are going to pay for my fucking microwave. It blew up. He then accused the worker of smiling at him and slaps him across the face. What the fuck? What's going on with you, bro? The employee shouts back as the incident turns violent. You ready to see the video? All right, hold on. I got a couple of questions here first. Yes. Why is the customer so upset that a Taco Bell microwave is broken? Why is he acting like it's his microwave? It's his own microwave when he tried to reheat his Taco Bell order that he had gotten earlier on. Okay. that he tried to heat it up in had was aluminum lined and he didn't realize it. And so it fucked his microwave up. Okay. So it's, it's the guy's fault. It's completely the customer's fault. This is not this jackass's fault. Yeah. All right. So I'm right. No microwaves at Taco Bell. This microwave was at the guy's place. Taco Bell slogan, fresh, never frozen beef. Their other slogan, where's the beef? Their other slogan, have it your way. Okay. That's what they do. That's what they're about. And that's what they've been about for a long time. They're all about fresh, Eat fresh, another one of their slogans. They don't do microwaves. So just want that out there that you're always getting a first class made to order meal when you're shopping at Taco Bell. Second of all, how how is this guy mad at Taco Bell for being a dumbass? What is Taco Bell's fault here? Because he's an old jackass, that's why. By the way, you forgot the most important slogan of Taco Bell of all the slogans that you mentioned. The final slogan is, by beef, we mean dog meat. All right, here we go. (laughs) Don't remember that one. Uh, I am going to try and play audio here, so let's you and and me be quiet just in case we can hear it. Play. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Dude, watching this. Oh, this is hilarious. Come on, guy. You got it. It blew up. Oh, he. Oh, what the? Oh, not good. Not good, Bob. Have you ever used a computer before? What What's going on over there? What? Did you you could not click the play button on that deal? For some reason, actually hitting play was off center from when the where the play button was. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, had to it was like two inches above the actual play icon to get that stupid fucking video to play. What's a computer? That's that's what you were right there. It is uh, a computer. What's a computer? But, dude, that that old guy needs to have his ass kicked. What a bullshit move by him. Now, granted, the employee was giving him a smug look in return. 
Yeah, because he think he feels how I feel about this. Like, dude, why why are you blaming me for you being a dumbass? You this guy's the moron. Yeah, like this is not you. You messed this up. We did not break your microwave. It, it did not break because of anything we did. You were an idiot and decided to put this foil in the microwave instead of doing what everybody does with their Taco Bell leftovers, putting it on a paper towel, then putting it in the microwave because you know that's safe. Like, why? The guy deserved to give the customer that type of look. Well, what a jabroni. Yeah, that guy needs to have his ass kicked. It's a big dude, too. Like, I feel like if that guy was a little smaller, that guy being the customer, the employee might have fought back. But I think the customer or the employee kind of realized, like, yeah, this guy is bigger than me and he's old and he's could be racist and I'm not messing with this dude. Right Plus, now. not to bury the employee anymore, but he doesn't look like he's in very good shape. I mean, he's got he's got some man boobs going on. The likelihood that he would have been able to kick that guy's ass is pretty low. And that's low. That, that's a dream job also. Like, you can't fight back because then you lose your dream job at Taco Bell. So you got to be smart in that moment to make sure you don't do anything that could cost you the opportunity of a lifetime. Dream job for who? Somebody with man boobs? <laughs> Probably. That. If uh, if Taco Bell gave free food, I think they have an employee discount. But if they gave free food to their employees, there is a one hundred percent chance at some point in my life I would have worked at a Taco Bell. Okay, well, you missed your opportunity then, because even if they don't give free food to their employees, you as an employee get free food from Taco Bell if you work there. You just you just take it whenever you want fucking unwritten rule of any place that you work of course you get a little bit of free food i mean you can't raid the place i'd have a tough time because i'd want to eat during every shift like i couldn't be making food for other people and not make food for myself at the same time you know sure there are videos out there of taco bell employees doing that exact thing too and they get fired when they do that and they lose their dream job there's a whole show on espn about it you know dream job or whatever isn't that it do they get fired? I mean, I feel like there's videos of Taco Bell employees pulling guns out on people where they're not getting fired. Oh, is eating a, exactly. a, a, a free or not so free chirpy chirpy choop chalupa or two? Is that getting you fired at Taco Bell these days? Because if so, that seems like a bit of a racket. I don't know about the chirpy chirpy chalupa. I don't know if that's a new item that I haven't tried yet. You've seen this video before, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Jack in the Box, though. Don't associate Taco Bell with that Jack in the Crack ridiculousness. Same garbage. No. No. Not the same garbage. Different garbage. Not the same garbage. Taco Bell is better than Jack in the Crack? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I think so. And they're both better than the uh, 90s band garbage, too, if anyone was curious well, about that. No, 90s what? band garbage, better than both of those restaurants. No way. Garbage sucks. Name name two songs. Stupid Girl and I'm Only Happy When It Rains. Are those both garbage? You just chose two random songs from not garbage and gave them credit to garbage. Two songs from the band Garbage. Shoot. I thought they were one hit wonders. All right, name a third song. Who do you know here? <laughs> Got him. Stupid uh, shit. I can't think of a third song right now. It's been forever since I've listened to Garbage, though. Damn it. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. You can name more than one 
or two Taco Bell items if you really tried. You'll pretend yeah, that you the, can't. Uh, the the Ping Pal uh, pizza and the the pink. What would you just combine Panda Express and Domino's here as a Taco? I mean, what are you doing? God. In an effort to disassociate yourself from Taco Bell, you just offended like all sorts of people out there. There's the uh, the the Pizza Hut pizza wrap taco, and I mean, what's what's the other stupid fucking collaboration that Taco Bell has done over the years? The uh, Doritos, the the Funyun Gordito, and the um, <laughs> dude, the, uh, the, the McDonald's uh, uh, breakfast pizza. This is blasphemy, dude. That's what that is. I'm I'm so offended by this right now. Kanye West has never offended me as much as you are right now. Just the so uh, Reese's peanut butter cup enchiladas. Now hold on, you might be on to something there. <laughs> I know that actually does sound good. <laughs> I think I would try that if there's that. a if there's a Reese's T Bell collab. Then I uh, I'm gonna have to give that a go. I might consider going to Taco Bell if they collaborate with Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. for that. Jason says, both Taco Bell and Garbage were better in 2000 than they are in 2024. Agreed. Agreed. Taco Bell from 2000, also as palatable in two or now as it was in 2000, just like Garbage was. <laughs> and we still, uh, we still love our friends at Cabo Bob's, working on getting some more giveaways from them. But, uh, you know, people at Cabo Bob's don't slap other people at Cabo Bob's. It's not what happens at an establishment like that. Get that at Taco Bell, though. Oh, there is one other, uh, one other item that I'm thinking about right now. Okay. Good thing Chip and Zay are almost here. I see them in the waiting room right now to salvage the end of this program. The Dollar General Quesadilla. <laughs> at Taco Bell? At Taco Bell. How much does that cost? $2. Yeah, I mean, nothing at Dollar General is a uh, dollar anymore. Nothing at Taco Bell is a dollar anymore. So yeah. that makes sense. We will bring on Chip and Zay, the two halves of Chip and Zay. Probably didn't need me to tell you that. What's going on, gentlemen? <laughs> What's happening, fellas? What up, what up? Yo, yo, the fecal flautas. Thank you, DJ. That's what I was going for. Hmm. Have you guys, uh, have you guys ever thought of slapping a fast food employee at any point in your life? Um, not recently. Mm. Well, you didn't ask this question previously. Of course, everybody's thought about slapping a fast food employee, though, but nobody does it because we're a little bit more civil than that. Yeah, that was the follow-up question to see if they actually had done it. <laughs> I was hoping two yeses were coming from those two questions, but maybe not. Yeah, I remember when I was probably eight years old, I saw a lady in East Austin curse out a cashier at Jack in the Box off of airport. And gosh, it's East Austin, though, kind of by MLK area. Yeah. And yeah, I was completely terrified from that moment. Like, they didn't give her her jumbo jack the way she needed it to be. And I heard all types of MFers and son of a bitches and this and that. And, yeah, it kind of humbled me a little bit. Like, I'm never going to be that lady. I was cussing out the cashier. I never want to get to that point. So I'm glad I have it. 
Shout out to CC and Annie for raising your boy right. And yeah, slapping anybody at a fast food restaurant, that person should be in jail for a very long time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, fellas, we'll get out of your hair. I know you got a lot to get to. Y'all have a great show. Appreciate it. Appreciate y'all.